Welcome back to Match Day Matinee, where every episode we take a look at the cinematic takes on the beautiful game. I'm your host, Mark Galarum, and today I'm joined by Adam Ducker. Hello. How's it going, Adam? Not too bad. Good, good. And Raghav Sandhu. Hello. How's it going? Good. Raghav, I saw your tweet earlier talking about footy films, as we always do. Absolutely. Uh, United. What was your... Sorry, not United. Ultras. Another U film. Uh, what was your opinion on that the documentary that seems to be coming out on Canadian supporter culture, culture as they call it, Ultras? Uh, I saw you had a take on that. Yeah. So, I mean... It's called, I believe it's called Ultras, the 12th Man. It's yeah. it's uh, it's done by 902 Studios, I believe they're called. The trailer looks amazing. Um, um, the concept is great. I just can't come to terms with it being called Ultras because that's not what it is. Um, they're not Ultras in any sense of the word. Um, you know, Ultras don't sit around a boardroom cheersing with the head office um, or the front office. Um you know, they're supporters for sure, and they're great supporters. They bring a lot to the game, but I think Ultras is kind of a misnaming of this documentary, if you will. But yeah, it, it does look great. It does look great. I will say that. Yeah, and that's kind of what caught me at first, too. I mean, I, you've probably seen the other one that TSN did, Engraved on a Nation, about the TFC supporters culture. And that kind of had the same thing. I don't know if you can call yourself an Ultra if you're sitting around um, having a three-course meal with the club execs, right? Um, uh, and there's nothing 100%. wrong with that if you're a supporters group I mean you're liaising with the club and you want to make sure that you have the best experience possible on match day but yeah. I guess it's that word that brings connotations with it yep I mean yeah I mean we've seen the movie Ultras right and that's maybe the worst case scenario of it right and that's not how most Ultras are around the world but what I saw you know Ultras don't give interviews like that and display their right. full names on, on you know across the TV screen and you know talk about what a great day they had at you know going to Halifax or going to Montreal or whatever it is it's it's, it's it's a particular mentality that it takes to be an ultra and I'm not saying you guys are not ultras I'm an ultra I am not an ultra in no way yeah. shape or form um but yeah I think I think it's yeah they misnamed the documentary and they'd be better served changing the name like I said once again I think those fans are great and what they bring to the atmospheres at their particular stadiums are is amazing yeah. um but just yeah the naming yeah, off, definitely. Right? I'm not going to disagree with you there. I mean, we've yeah. seen the the kitchen party in um, in Halifax. I mean, the trench over in Winnipeg. Um, not going to say anything about Montreal as a TFC supporter. I won't give him any praise. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, funny enough, we didn't see any TFC in that in that video or anything out from the West Coast. Actually, actually, we did see a glimpse of the um, Pacific supporters, the Lakeside boys. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to see it. But like you're saying, just getting over that initial hurdle of the name yeah. Ultra is a little yeah. bit of. Uh, of a, a leap to take. It's almost like the gentrification of that name, that term, I guess. Absolutely. Um, but it is what it is. Adam, you've uh, made the leap to the next generation, much like I have. Mm. Uh, Xbox One, are you anticipating the the uh, FIFA updates coming on December 4th? Yeah, it looks so interesting, actually. I wasn't that bothered, but then reading some of the, like, uh, changing how, like, muscles work in the game yes. and stuff, and finally, like, unshackling the animation, which has always interested me, because FIFA's always so stilted and scripted, so the yep. thought of it being able to react more is interesting, if it works, because they've been here before and made yeah. games like this, and then players end up smashing together in, like, weird ways that they should be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if it really manages to, and all that... Um, 
like structural work on how the characters animate and stuff is free flow. It'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think that was like, was that was the first next gen title? I think it was 2015 where you would see, they came out with this collision system that they were so proud of. And then you would yeah. see the highlight videos of like one guy tripping over another and then over that guy. And then eventually there's yeah. like a six man pileup and then guys just start stuttering and jittering in the sky. So yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, it'll be nice to like kind of freeze frame and take screenshots of the players and stuff because of how yeah. good it'll look. But yeah, um, yeah. it's the same engine they've been using for four years now. It's getting a little bit old. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of going next gen after the holiday season. Um, and I'm probably going to get FIFA missed this year, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of other games I'd rather play that are on. So Spider-Man Miles Morales is giving me so much FOMO right now. I see people playing it online. <laughs> uh, it looks I see so- people, oh, it looks so good. Even COD, and I'm not a, like a Call of Duty type of guy, but uh, Cold War looks awesome. Uh, yeah, I have no idea like what COD is now. So there's Warzone. There's, there was another one, Cold War. But yeah, there's so also Cold, Cold War multi- multiplayer, right? I believe that's just. Yeah, I, I think it's just one game. But then there was yeah. another single player game that came out last year that was I was part of. I thought it was like a Fortnite type free to play. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had uh, Call of Duty Apex. No, was that what? No, it was? that's something no. different. That's Apex. No, no, no. Apex Legends. Legends. But there, there is a, there is a Call of Duty that was free to play. That that would that yeah, that's Warzone. I think it's Warzone. Yeah, that's Warzone. That's it. I think in Warzone you can launch all the other games kind of and pay for them or some crap. Yeah, but I believe Warzone is more and the and the guns are more closely based on um, Modern Warfare Four. I want to say. One of the like models. Yeah, yeah. They're Something. not too futuristic. Or stuff. block ops, whatever it is. But this is a cool concept. And and if so I've been following uh, videos of people who are playing the entire games. Um, and yeah, some of the missions look awesome. It's all based off on the Cold War Soviets, you know, against against the, the USA. And you get to yeah. do East Berlin missions and you get to do yeah, like missions Ronald in Reagan's Russia. In it, right? Ronald Reagan's in it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the voice acting for Ronald Reagan in that is amazing. Okay, like sounds, sounds exactly like him. Like him. So it huh. sounds exactly like him. Because they always do like an exaggerated version of him, right? Like yeah. Drama did it and yeah. uh, the Watchmen did it. So yeah. it's interesting if they actually try to go for an accurate one. Yeah. Um, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, oh, yeah. Amazing. If you skip the series for a while, I recommend jumping into it with that one. And you'll have a ton of fun. But enough about video games for today, you guys. Um, so we are going to talk about United this week. Um, it's a 2011 film. Directed by James Strong. This film stars David Tennant, Jack O'Connell, Sam Claflin, Doug Ray Scott. And it was um, originally a BBC Two film, BBC HD, which I guess is the same network. Um, So it wasn't made for TV film, uh, but it doesn't show that. Um, It was filmed really well, I thought. Cinematography was on point and it tells a really good story of the uh, Munich air disaster. something I wasn't expecting them to get into such detail about when I first chose this film. I thought it would be more of a tale of the Busby Babes and their success during that era. Um, but it was actually um, pretty in-depth on the air disaster that everyone kind of knows a little bit about. And um, this film fully went into it. So what did you guys feel about this film? What did you guys kind of expect? And how did you um, come out of this film feeling about Manchester United Club, I know that you guys don't necessarily follow, um, but have a lot of history with. Uh, Rigev, we'll start with you. Yeah. um, So firstly, when we talk about this film, it is, as you said, a straight to television film. And I'm... (laughs) I'm almost certain they didn't have a huge budget for this film. I'm not exactly sure what the budget was, but whatever they had. Two million pounds. 
two million pounds exactly, yeah, and so paltry. which is which is peanuts, right? I mean, yeah. and the budget they had, they stretched it so well and made such a great movie out of it, in my opinion. Um, that tells a story of achievement. It tells a story of tragedy, a tragedy, um, and you know, basically how somebody can come and or how a, an entire city and an entire fan base can come out of that. Uh, but it was very well shot. Even even you know some of the shots that you would expect to be expensive shots. You know, they kind of maybe didn't show those shots, but the way they tied it into the to the movie itself, uh, it, it was really well done. And when we talk about Manchester United as a club, of course, me being a Liverpool fan, we don't like them as rivals, but there's always that respect there, right? They're, they're, they're one of the biggest clubs in England. Um, they've, achieved, they've achieved great amount of success with Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson, even before that. Um, and, and, you, and you've got to be in admiration and you've got to, and you've got to give credit where credit is due. And, that's, and it's a proper club built on its foundations. Um, where, where a lot of clubs today aren't, right? A lot of clubs are, you know, you get oil money when you go win championships. They're actually a club that has a proper history that's come up through the time. They spent time in lower divisions. Um, so you got to have nothing but respect for the club. Of course, as a Liverpool fan, they're our greatest rivals and, and, and we hate them when we play them, but there's always that respect there. Well said. Adam? Uh, yeah, I kind of was looking forward to this one just to see how it, went about like depicting this is like there's like a handful of extremely like tragic events that have occurred in football size so this Hillsborough disasters another one um that kind of everybody knows about even if you weren't around then and kind of they still get talked about to this day because of how tragic they were and this is one of them um and it's also I remember learning about this event like pretty young because I remember asking my dad why there were so many Manchester United fans around the whole of England. And he kind of said, well, they are like, this is like Premier League. So he's like, they are one of the biggest clubs. So people kind of did latch on that. But he also said like the groundswell of like sympathy that they got at the time due to this disaster just meant they won a lot of fans and the way they kind of came back. Um, what I found interesting about this film is like you, I thought it might be more about the Busby babes, but it was actually about like the immediate like getting to know the players to some extent and like the immediate aftermath of what happened. And there was actually very little about the Busby babes because like uh, Matt Busby was in hospital for most of the latter half of the film. Um, it kind of told us stuff through the eyes of Bobby Charm. But yeah, I thought it was really well made. For the £2 million, it definitely stretched that budget so well. Like even if you think some of whatever trickery they did to create like old-fashioned Manchester even. The very opening shot is Old Trafford, like surrounded by cotton mills. And it's like, whatever they did to do that, like it obviously didn't look like, wasn't a CGI or anything that looked incredible, but it still looked like really good and like perfectly serviceable. Um, and then some of the scenes we'll get into later, like they did a really good job of showing everything off well. Um, and really cool, like really good performances. Like David Tennant was amazing in it. Yeah. I will say, uh, was Jack O'Connell? Um, yeah. He's one of my favorite British actors since he was on Skins. Um, and then I saw him in that film 71, which was about uh, the Troubles um, oh, yeah. in, 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 Northern, in, in Ireland, which was yeah. a really well done film as well. And this one, he, he, I, feel, I feel like he killed it as well. Yeah, great job. Um, it's a BBC film, and I know BBC is 
involved in a lot of productions where uh, they're period pieces as well. Do you think they kind of bring that experience to it where they maybe have crossover from other series where they can kind of skimp on budget in some parts because they do have these um, maybe production, what are they called? Like uh, costume departments kind of readily. Yeah. I don't know. There's some show called watch the midwife or something that might yeah, be yeah. in the same area. Call the midwife. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Call the midwife. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe they pulled all the costumes from there yeah. and even some of the streets and stuff. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Yeah. And, and I will. The actors like David Tennant around this time would have just been doctor who and stuff. So it was signed on yeah. to the BBC. So he might've done it slightly for like less of a contract than if it was a big Hollywood flick. So Yeah. Yeah, and I will say BBC probably has more most, more experience than most to be able to uh, produce a timepiece like this because not only of the shows that they create, but because of so much archival footage that they would have through news, yeah. uh, through uh, being being present in the UK during that time, right? Um, but they could always reference that back and say, hey, people in that time period used to wear this, so let's recreate that. And this is what Manchester used to look like. Um, so things like that. Yeah, I should mention we're talking about BBC, but this is actually available on Acorn TV and you can get that through Prime Video. Um, actually on discount now, if you sign up within the next week, it's a couple bucks for the three month trial. So uh, that may be the only place to see it. I, that's the only place I was able to find it. Um, probably same as you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the plot. So this film opens up and we get a stark shot of blood kind of spilled against white snow. And we see these two passengers are sitting in a pair of ejected plane seats. And we obviously know it's kind of a glimpse of what's to come. And if you know anything about Manchester, like we're saying, it's you can assume that it's the 1958 Munich air crash. Um, but we cut to two years early. So two years earlier, it's September 1956. We see a bunch of guys sitting in a movie theater. And this is where we're introduced to the Busby Babes. Um, this is Manchester United's. Uh, post-war squad of youngsters that have come up through the club's youth system, kind of legendary at this point. Uh, and the film quickly centers on these two central characters that were pivotal to the success at the time. And that's uh, Bobby Charlton, uh, who will go on to be arguably England's greatest player of all time. Um, maybe one of you guys can shed more light on that uh, yeah. at this point. Yeah. yeah I'd go with that. Like he was the record goal scorer until Wayne Rooney overtook him, record cap holder and outfield player until David Beckham overtook him. And you'll find a lot of people that think he, even though he doesn't hold those records anymore, he was a better player than both for sure. Yeah. Okay. So there is a documentary on Bobby Charlton that came out a couple of years ago. Uh, that's probably on my next to watch list. After I watched the Maradona documentary, that's, Making the rounds yeah. right now. And actually, just in the last few weeks, it was reported mm. that he's suffering from dementia, right? Dementia, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, really? that's unfortunate, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of head yeah. that whole discussion yeah. again about yeah. um, heading and Header. the safety yeah. of it and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, so, the other central character that we kind of focus on in this film is Jimmy Murphy, um, the club's assistant manager who is instrumental in training these young players that are coming up through the academy system and becoming the the Busby Babes. And this is played to perfection by uh, David Tennant, who, as you're saying, was in Doctor Who at the time. Mm-hmm. Around yeah. this time, maybe just ended being Doctor Who yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And he plays, uh, he has the team play a particular style as he puts it. Uh, football is a simple game. You win the ball, you pass the ball, uh, you score a goal. And, and all else is embellishment. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very kind of counterpoint to the um, South American style that we were probably seeing at the time with Pele, right? Yeah. That's um, 
So we also learned that despite the success that United is having domestically, for whatever reason, the FA is trying to prevent them to enter into the European Championship. Uh, and was that just because they didn't want them to uh, miss any fixtures from the the league itself, right? Not only that, it was still this absurd like hubris that the English FA had that they were the only... If you were the champion of England, you were the champion of the only like football championship that mattered, kind of. They still, uh, had, that, kind of still had that stench, that era. Kind of just some of the uh, stuff, we, some of the stuff we saw in United Passions, right? About the arrogance, about they created the game that still existed to that. Like they weren't called the English FA then; they were just called the, the FA. So it's like when you become the NBA Finals champion, you're called the champion yeah. of the world, or yeah. the, you play in the World Series. I got <laughs> you. I got series. you. Makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. They didn't call it that, but there was certainly that mentality. That, that yeah, that wasn't true yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we see Busby talking to one of the execs from the FA. And as he tells him, you're a league man of graphs and stats. You've never held a trophy. So he's telling him, uh, you can crunch the numbers and try to figure out the logistics of all this. But at the end of the day, you've never kind of chased the glory. Uh, you've never held the trophy. You don't know what it's like to win one. So keep to your, your books. Um, so minutes after receiving the news that he's about to finally make his first team, de- first team debut, uh, Bobby Charlton discovers that he has an ankle injury. And he will likely be kept out for a week. Um, and they kind of gloss over this pretty quickly. Like he finds out he has an ankle injury. Yeah. He's kind of hemming and hawing. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And then he just kind of does it. Yeah. It's never really mentioned again. It goes from sounding like it's career ending injury to um, not much of a Just a couple of pins and needles. Uh, but Bobby can't sleep the night of his debut. He has a bit of insomnia. So he goes out to the stadium. And we get this beautiful shot of Old Trafford, like you were saying, Adam, mm. like uh, with the cotton mills around. And um, I'm sure it's a lot of CGI, but it just looks awesome. Yeah, like, just especially in like, like low lights and stuff. And like, there's a lot of smog that kind of helps, I guess, as well. But yeah, it, yeah. Just, it covers up stuff. It just looks really good for what we know is yeah, an it's a gorgeous game. shot. Yeah. yeah, and he comes across that policeman. He's like, "I'm going to play there tomorrow." <laughs> Sorry, my son. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I love that exchange. Yeah. yeah, club doesn't want people like you hanging around the stadium. He's like, "I'm part of the club." Sure, you are. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next morning brings the arrival of Bobby Charlton's debut against Charlton Athletic, and um, David Tennant's at the top of his game here. He's giving one of the better uh, pre-match locker room speeches that we've seen all season, and. He's just kind of chewing scenery, but he's really stealing scenery, I should say, instead of chewing scenery. Um, and he's in full glory here as as uh, Jimmy Murphy, hyping the boys up, getting the Red Devils out there. Yeah, And so then, um, so Manchester United easily wins this match and uh, they get two goals from Bobby Charlton in his debut. Uh, we learned that the club has also found success in the European Championship. So they will soon face Red Star Belgrade out of uh, Yugoslavia. So much to the chagrin of the FA, they've been succeeding. Uh, we get another great training scene here. So uh, we don't get a lot of footy flicks in this movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but uh, we get a lot of great, a lot of great training scenes where we see the camaraderie between the team and the Busby babes and how they kind of, uh, they're a bunch of young guys, right? So they have that camaraderie. Like living and, the dream kind of thing all together. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mesh well with uh, their all business Northern Ireland keeper, Harry Gregg. Um, yeah kind of tells him you guys go out party every night i'll be here uh watching yeah, and that i'm not here to make friends and he proper like dives in at them during the training scene yeah doesn't care he's like i don't care if i ngu like proper yeah. like mental goalkeeper that's just like throwing himself at everything yeah fist first um so he was actually 
at the time when he transferred to United, it was 23,000 pounds, 23 and a half thousand pounds, which was a world record fee for a goalkeeper. So pretty interesting. So he was probably the top goalkeeper of his time. Hmm. Um, so after some success in Euro- in Yugoslavia, this is um, the European Championships, we jump ahead to February 1958, and we're aboard a plane heading for Munich. And of course, we all know um, what's going to happen here. It's yep. Sorry, which which plane trip? Which trip was it? A country where the border guard opens up one of the suitcases? Belgrade. That, was, that was Belgrade. Coming yeah. into Yugoslavia or leaving? Uh, coming into when into the border Eagles guy opens oh, up the suitcase he's looking through and he's like he holds up the potato and he's like we have food here too yeah. <laughs> it was just really funny to me just his delivery was like spot on right because there was a bar scene where they were talking and somebody's girlfriend was saying they don't have food there the food there yeah. is I can't remember uh, she made some disparaging remarks about the borscht or whatever else they have yes. there the borscht soup um, broached yeah but yeah I thought that was Russia. I guess it's Eastern European either way. Well, these are all under the Iron Curtain at that time, right? So Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would make sense. Um, so it's February 1958. We see them boarding the plane. They have left Yugoslavia. They've landed in Munich. And of course, we know this is the, the kind of setup of that disastrous air crash aboard British European Airways Flight 609. Um, this scene begins, and I kind of feel like this is the first misstep of the movie. This it's all set up pretty well, but the music that they're using, the score that kind of accompanies everything feels too horror movie tension to me. Mm. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I hadn't thought about that, but now you've mentioned it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't handled very well in that regard. Everything else was fine. I just think the score didn't really fit what they were trying to do. And it was such a overbearing kind of like sense of foreboding that they were trying to instill when you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. They didn't need to do yeah. that. Right? They could have let the film breathe on its own without that. Yeah. Maybe have more like period music playing or something. Yeah. I almost want to go back and watch Titanic and see how they handled like that whole setup of, um, huh? Yeah. Like the sense of things going down. Right. To see, yeah. cause I don't remember anything bad about that, but yeah, that's no, just the one that kind of, yeah, it was good. The one kind of thing about this, I was kind of like, this, this doesn't feel right. Um, but we see the plane trying to take off. It's their third attempt. And the problem here is that they had to rush back to, to England because they had a match against the Wanderers. Yeah, and they had to be back within four, before 48 hours before kickoff or something, right? 24 hours before kickoff. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, and they had to yeah. be back in the country then to be allowed to play that game. Yeah. So they all kind of, so there's a kind of pressure, right? And like Busby feels that he's like, we've got to get back. We've got to keep trying kind of thing. Yeah, because they could have taken a train, but obviously they wouldn't have made it back in time. Yeah. So um, a third attempt to leave the runway. We see the scene. Um, things are going rough. The lads are trying to play cards and um, a few of them go to the back of the plane and they tell Bobby, you're fine where you are, but they feel they would be safer in the back of the plane. But unfortunately, I think that's where uh, most of the damage was. And we see once the plane crashes, um, it doesn't even take off. It stumbles on the runway and it crashes on the runway. Um, we see the back of the plane explode. Yeah, I believe it barely took off um, in reality. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Like it took off a little bit, but not really. Yeah. yeah it, it, like, it was like the trailing uh, wheels caught the 
ice at the end of the runway or something yeah. like that. So like it was just on its way up, kind of. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. It wasn't like it took off and then yeah. dived or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so the crash happens. Uh, there's a bit of chaos going on. They cut to either white or black. I, I can't remember which. But when the film comes back, we see the opening shot of the movie, which is Bobby and one of his teammates sitting in the ejected plane seat. Um, and it makes for like a great cinematic shot. They just have this like wide scope image of the plane mm. in the background. And in the foreground, we see uh, the ejected plane seats with the two of them sitting there unconscious. Um, and that's when we're brought up to speed with what's happening with the the beginning of the film. And we see a bunch of chaos. I think it's, it's Harry Gregg that goes in and pulls out a bunch of people. Uh, Bobby sees all of the chaos that's happening, but he's almost too scared to go into the plane and save everyone, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we see him kind of struggle with that, that doubt for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually he passes out, he wakes up in the hospital and this is where he learns that several of his teammates have died. Uh, Jimmy learns the news from the receptionist and, uh, he flies in from Manchester and learns the extent of the injuries that, that have been caused to those who have survived and to those who have died. I think it was about 23 people, uh, made up of eight um admin members and journalists and um 15 of the players of menu they do a really good job here when bobby's like walking around the hospital looking like the camera's like focused on him and it's kind of like a soft focus around the outside of him and i can almost imagine that's like the trying to depict like the haze that he must just feel walking through and like still coming to terms with the fact that he witnessed like being in the crash, then awakening, then the like paralyzing, not being able to help anybody, and now being in this hospital with either people that have already passed away or players that, and even the manager as well, they're in, that had recovered, but were in way less, um, like physical, worse physical condition. And he wasn't, he's kind of just walking around in this complete haze. It was just a really cool effect because, like, yeah. films now would show it through, like, special effects and stuff and like weird screen trickery and stuff. But that was just enough yeah. to kind of show like, like they'd show like fast cuts and stuff and weird sound effects, but or the opposite of like slow motion. Yeah. Like, zoomed slow in mo- on one yeah. Thing. yeah. But then you'd pick up on the little details if they did that. So it was just a cool way of displaying that kind of, that you must have felt on that day. Yeah. And then when he first wakes up, there's a German uh, fellow sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And um, so according to, I think it was Bobby Charlton's biography, this actually happened. Uh, he found this one guy sitting there and he asks him, can you tell me what happened? He starts reading off seven names and you get a sense of like a bit of hope in Bobby. And then at the end, the guy just, the German guy just says dead. <laughs> like he lists these seven. It's almost like the, yeah, that actually happened. Yeah. It's uh, like, it, it's, you see it play out in like movies when they're like, uh, I can't, I can't remember the joke right now, but like the doctor relays the news to the family and it makes it sound much worse than it is. Yeah. Um, but it almost comes across as that. And I guess it's just a German way of like um, being succinct when relaying yes. information. Yeah. Like yeah. the facts. Very, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it, it hits them pretty hard. Um, and then we cut to Manchester and we're shown scenes across the city, like you were saying earlier, of support coming from every corner, um, not just Manchester, across the, the country as well. Um, the bodies are brought back. And then we spend nearly almost like a third of the movie on the crash itself. Hmm. and uh, the aftermath of it. Um, I almost wish we spent more time leading up to it so we got to know the characters a little bit better. Yeah, because if you're not going to do the aftermath and the recovery and show the new generation and what they did, then teach us more about the youngsters. Like, 
we see most of the film through like Bobby Charlton's eyes. So we know yeah. about him. And that's probably because he's still the survivor. He talked about it, like ad nauseum, had a book about it, everything. And it definitely defined him as a person, I'm sure. Um, but it'd been cool. Like Duncan Edwards was one of the most talented footballers of his generation. Yeah. He like passed away shortly afterwards. It's like, it's a real shame that they yeah. didn't like show us more of him being a lad with Bobby Charlton or like use Bobby Charlton's like let those people live through the survivors like memoirs that they provided a little bit more than they kind of do. Uh, yeah. I'm sure everyone had their personal moments yeah. that they could have kind of weaved into the story somehow. And we've saw, I know it's tough to do with an ensemble piece, but we've seen that with summer of 92 where every person had like maybe even like three minutes of the film as an mm-hmm. establishing shot. So they kind of build a connection with that character right away or that real life uh, person. Um, but yeah, Duncan Edwards actually flipped around his, when he passed to make it more dramatic for the film. Um, Cause I think in this film, they say he passed away before or was it much further oh, after? No, right. There was it was, it was after it. the Sheffield uh, Wednesday game. He passed away. He actually, um, he was alive still when the Sheffield Wednesday game happened, but in the uh, film? N- no, no, in real life. In real life, okay. In real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. So in the in the film, they made him pass away before, so it can add to the dramatic effect and affect uh, Bobby Charlton or yeah. Jack O'Connell. That's why they did it in the film. Um, yeah. Oh, one scene I kind of wanted to touch on as well is the scene you did talk about it when the uh, bodies come back and all the coffins are lined up in what looks like a school gym. But you kind of don't see it at first. You see like the back of the school gym, and you see uh, Jimmy Murphy walking in. And like his eyes start to well up and it's like, okay, this can only be one thing. And then the camera kind of pans out and you see all the coffins like lined in a row. And it's just like, this shows like the magnitude, like that's an entire team like gone. Yeah. And he's just there like, like on his own as well. Cause Matt Busby's still in hospital at this point. Yeah. It's super powerful. And remind me, so uh, chapel that was about three years ago, was that the entire team that was uh, that perished in that crash? The Brazilian team, right? Yeah. Chapo-Coense? Yeah. Yeah. I think. No, they- no. So, th- no, there was oh. a few survivors. There's, uh, there was a few survivors. Um, I remember one of the players was in a wheelchair after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it like the, the goalkeeper lost his leg the, or something? The goalkeeper, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was, a, there was a couple of survivors. I think majority of the team might have, might have passed. Actually, I'm not, I don't want to misquote, but I, I know there was a few survivors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting. We've lived through that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, recently, right? I I think that's the only other one that I know of. I mean, uh, there's obviously the story of Alive, which was a was it a rugby, rugby team? team? The rugby yeah. team, rugby yeah. team, right? Yeah. Um, so let's get back to the, the only other one I can think of is the Leicester City chairman. The helicopter crash happened like two oh, years right. ago. Yeah, um, and that happened right in the stadium, right as he was yeah, taking off. like he was yeah. taking off from the um, he had a helipad like in the car park, and it happened right there. Yeah. Yeah, that's tragic. And he had done so much for that club in like such a small amount of time as well, right? Uh, It's incredible. Yeah, so 19 players in the Chapo Coense air crash passed away and one staff member. Yeah. Okay. So 20 people. That's the same kind of same kind of magnitude because there's about I think 20 out of 44 that died in the Munich uh, air disaster. Yeah. Uh, And this is 20 out of probably close to the same amount, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, so we were at the funeral scene and sorry, I jumped ahead on my notes here. Um, 
yeah so they both make their way back to to england jimmy and bobby um and we get a good scene of uh the club and men's i guess it's like the the women who work for the club and they have all these letters that people are sending in uh, it's from everywhere um letters of support uh funds to help the club get back up again and the execs from the club actually want to shut it down they actually wanted to fold the the club itself um but jimmy who's now kind of saddled with the reins of the club because busby is actually still in in uh in munich bedridden um i think at one point the actually twice they actually read him his um oh geez i'm blanking on it final rights last mm-hmm. rights yeah. last rights yeah, yeah. Um, they read him his last rights twice like that's how bad he was injured um they didn't expect him to make it uh, and the fact that he did is kind of miraculous and he became he went back to being the man if there's one gripe i have with this film is the portrayal of sir matt busby they made him look like an Italian mafia don in yeah. this film. He wasn't yeah. like that in real life. Yeah, his, yeah. his accent yeah. was pretty. His accent was actually pretty good. I went yeah. back and watched some YouTube because I was like, yeah. I'm, "That can't be right." But his accent was good. But yeah, having a fedora and like a jacket yeah. he looked like a mobster. Yeah. I, did, I did read that his uh, like estate and his family weren't like particularly happy with his. No, they hated it. And like, kind of like how much of this, it's weird. It's what we keep talking about. This film, um, focused he wasn't on very the cheerful. immediate. Yeah. He wasn't very cheerful. He was like, had that pressure. And then all of the, I guess, praise goes to Jimmy Murphy, but it's like, but he kind of did do that role in the early days. Cause yeah, that must be couldn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I could yeah, he definitely looked like a gangster, like he should have been in the mafia or something. It was weird. Yeah. I was convinced it was the same actor as the uh the villain from Final Score. So I went on IMDb and I checked it. That's actually Ray Stevenson, who looks oh, a lot yeah, like really? Ray yeah, Scott. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. they, they play the character is almost kind of the same demeanor. <laughs> Obviously, one's evil and one was a great guy, but yeah, um, kind of the same demeanor. Uh, so Jimmy at this point, he's taking the reins of the club while, uh, Busby is bedridden, uh, stops the board from shutting down the club and he promises to rebuild Manchester. Um, and as he says, a powerful quote, how we are in the future will be founded by how we behave today. Uh, and it's really inspiring moment, how he kind of takes up the club and he says, we're not gonna let this stop us. Um, and it would have been easy to fold the club at that point because the majority of players, um, had perished, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby himself struggles to cope with the cat crash. Uh, he actually removes all of the football related souvenirs and posters from his room. Um, and it's not until he plays a bit of pickup with like a bunch of kids in an alleyway outside of his house that he kind of, kind of reignites the passion um, that he has. Um, and it's at the same point that like you're saying, Regev, Man United is about to play Sheffield Wednesday in their first match back yeah. from the uh, air disaster. And the roster at this point is assembled by like lone players and whatever kids that could get their hands on. I think three managers come from another club to help out and run training sessions. Yeah. From the amateurs association or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Which are, I guess they oversee amateur players uh, in England, but uh, there was a brief mention of this in the movie, but uh, Liverpool was one of the clubs and Nottingham Forest as well. So it was Liverpool, Nottingham Forest, Liverpool being obviously a huge rival who was like, Hey, we'll give you what we can at this moment in time. And that was, that actually happened in real life. So that was a good gesture. Yeah. I mean, it's rivals are one thing, but when the community comes together, it's always great to see and it kind of builds the history a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we get a great couple scenes here where the where Jimmy Murphy is signing players and he's kind of telling him like, sign it on a line, take a picture, we'll get you a kid uh, matches in an hour. Um, 
so Bobby actually comes to the stadium. He sits with Jimmy Murphy. He watches the club win three nil. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and that's when he decides he's going to return to training. Um, he returns to the club and then we get another great locker room scene. I mean, we've seen so many of these great, like pre-match locker room scenes. It's almost like a, a trope, but it's a staple of these movies, but they're always pretty good. I, I don't think we've seen a bad one yet, but Busby greets the team in the locker room ahead of their FA cup final at Wembley. And he gives a very somber speech. Like you're saying his performance, in this movie all around is just kind of uh, somber and uh, underplayed. Um, and he acknowledges their new crest, which has been adorned with a phoenix. Um, I didn't go back and see if that's... I'm guessing that must have been one of their actual crests. Uh, but it looks very much like Man City's crest mm. for a while there, right? Yeah. Yes, I know the one yeah, you mean. It does like Man City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of cool because I read one quote that... So during World War II, obviously, Old Trafford was destroyed by a bomb. Yeah, um, and a lot of people had been pushing for them to kind of relocate in a different location, anyways. Because as you're saying, it's in the middle of all these um, industrial plants. Um, there were actually a few complaints from rival teams when they came to play there, saying that the conditions were terrible, and they filed complaints with the FA. Uh, but he was adamant that the club returned to play at Old Trafford because he saw the club rising from the stadium almost like a phoenix. Um, so seeing the new crest as a phoenix on their crest is a, is a cool little connection there. Um, so we see them ready to take the field. And at that point, the movie fades to white. Uh, we learn the fate of several key figures from this film, including uh, Busby, who would win five league titles, two FA Cups, uh, one European Cup. Uh, that European Cup winning side was actually captained by none other than Sir Bobby Charlton, uh, who himself mm-hmm. would want to play in 758 matches for the club. And as we mentioned, is widely considered one of their greatest players ever. Uh, movie fades to white and we don't find out what happens, but uh, Man United actually loses that match. Yep. They yeah. lost the 3-0 to, um, was it Sheffield, did we say? No. No, it was the Bolton oh, Wanderers. That was Bolton the- Wanderers, okay, yeah. Um, and that's the end of the movie. We get the titles summarizing what happens, Fate to White, and that's a brisk 90-minute movie. Um, what'd you guys think? Yeah, good. Awesome I, it's movie. one of those films I think could have been longer. Like, I don't often find myself saying that. Yeah. Most films seem to always drag, but this, I feel like it could have had more time for everything to breathe a little bit more, Yeah, and I wouldn't have minded it, but it did a really good job of doing what it wanted to do. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's a cool way to show what ultimately defined Manchester United and still did to this day. I think like some up Busby, there's that obscene stat that since back in these days, Manchester United have always had at least one player in their squad. Who's been from their Academy. And it's just like, that's an incredible legacy to have left. And whether that was like, whether that was born out of this or they already had that principle, it's just incredible. Right. Um, yeah. When you look at the club, there's really two defining errors, right? Like the Sir Alex era and the, uh, the Busby yeah. era. The yeah, Busby sure. era. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the time though, because I find myself with some of these movies. I mean, they drag on like some of the yeah. horror movies that we've, we've watched and I'll find myself checking the time to say like, how much is left in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> and can I skip ahead with, uh, without missing anything? And obviously that's never the case, but with this movie, I found myself checking the time to see, cause they were still talking about the air crash. And I was like, mm. how much time is left in this movie? Because are they still going to get to a few of the matches and like the aftermath of this? But um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that the crash to take up that much of the film, but it was um, it was nice that they focused so much on that. Yep, for sure. No, I agree. I'm. I mean, like I said at the beginning of of today's episode, I think it was 
heartwarming for the aftermath, I think, how they got to a place where they could compete again and, you know, all these other clubs offering help and then them getting back to a sense of normal life after something that tragic has happened. I think it was yeah. heartwarming in that way, but it, uh, it was good to focus on some of the non-footballing aspects of what that tragedy actually meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you just caught me off guard. I was expecting uh, so much more of a, a bit of a historical film on the field and not so much of a, yeah. a um, centralized movie on that one topic, but I'm not against it at all. I thought it yep. was great and I would recommend it. Um, and I guess maybe that's the thing, right? They try to show the, as much as it is about football, try to kind of separate out and show like the actual human tragedy that took place and how football didn't really matter in the grander scheme of things. Yeah. Even he kind of talks about it. it's more, it's as much about the city as it is about the club as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we made a choice. We've been Manchester focused for the last these two last two episodes, so uh, yeah. I guess the city the city's pretty historic when it comes to its football. Yeah, did we cover another Manchester United film? Because when I was trying to come up with trivia questions, I feel like I've hit some of them already. Don't think so. No, eh? No, I don't think so. Oh, no. bend it like Beckham. No, bend it like Beckham. Sort of. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that might have been it. Yeah. Yeah, because I felt like I hit some of them before. All right. Good movie. Um, I'm sure we will have a good time ranking this because it's certainly interesting. Um, and we had some fun ranking the the movies Keeper. last week. The Keeper. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious where this one's gonna land. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any final thoughts on this movie? Would you no. recommend it? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think okay. at least, uh, I think everybody needs to at least watch it once. I think if you're interested in football, especially if you're interested in the historical aspects of, of the biggest clubs in England, I think this, this is a, this is a good watch for you. Yeah. Mm. Um, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's a great, uh, research piece on that one subject. So I think yeah. going into it, um, if you expect that, then you won't be let down at all. Um, good movie. On the other hand, the footy flicks in this movie, non-existent non-existent um we get <laughs> no, some great training scenes but yeah uh for me i think the best ones were when they were getting those academy kids and the amateurs to try to try to score on um what's his name now harry uh harry greg no yeah harry greg yeah yeah harry greg and he's like yeah and you know he's just catching them like it's just like you know somebody's throwing the ball to him and he's meant <laughs> to catch it and he's like rubbish you're shite <laughs> like things like that i thought that was pretty funny um so that would be my favorite yeah, i guess that's that's probably the only scene that stood out to me as well like adam was saying how he's just going like complete hard ass on these guys <laughs> and diving into um these guys in a, in a training um session so yeah. adam any other yeah. pretty flicks to stand uh, out to you? it's gotta be that one really um, yeah, I mean it's it's too bad we didn't get anything on the field, um, but everything yeah. that was shown was competently done. Yeah, this is another one. Like it, showed, it was a good, accurate depiction of what it would have been like. Like training pitches were nowhere near what match day pitches were like back then. Yeah. Like it's muddy and disgusting. Yeah, they did a good job. I don't know if this counts as a footy flick, but um, when they're in the tunnel in the first game that we see them in in the movie, yeah. um, oh. and he's like, "Oh," and he's talking to the opposition player that plays for Charlton, and he's like, I, "I'm such an admir- like I'm such an admirer oh. of the way you play." <laughs> and he's like, "Get anywhere near me, I'm gonna kick you over the par stand or whatever he says." <laughs> uh, I was thinking of a different part, but even yeah. at the, so, at the end of that match, when the guy, same guy, I think it's the same guy, comes back into the tunnel, he's like, yeah. "How do you guys play like this? You're just yeah. kids." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
just completely flabbergasted. Yeah. Uh, but no, the final match when they're heading into the the FA Cup final, and there's one guy who has like the old uh, cob pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, literally getting yeah. ready to go on the field, and he's puffing on the pipe. I love that. That killed me. Um, that was awesome to see. There's also one when they're training in the very beginning and some guy messes up and he's like, forget about England. You could barely make whales or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Well, that's Jimmy uh, Murphy though, right? Cause he was yeah, the because, manager of whales for a while. Yeah. So he was, yeah, yeah, yeah he was also on the, on, on, on yeah. stuff, but uh, yeah, he was the first one that actually got whale, uh, whales to a world cup, uh, Sweden, 1958. Yeah. yeah. And he so says, keep playing like that. You might even make uh, the whale squad or something. And after that whales made it in 2018, right? Yeah. With Bale. They made it to the Euros. Oh, that was a Euros. Oh, Euros. Oh, sorry, Euros. Euros. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they still uh, made Portugal the knocked them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was 2018, though. No, 2016. 16. 16. 2016. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, yeah. All right. You boys ready for some trivia? I guess so. Got it. Okay, so... Obviously, these are going to be Manchester United focused. Oh, God. That's the slightest <laughs> catch me off guard. <laughs> okay, so there were three players who played in the same Manchester United team who won the European Footballer of the Year award, uh, now known as the Ballon d'Or. Can you guys name them? In the same team? These, all three of these guys played for the same Manchester United team, and they won the Ballon d'Or. Um, two of them should be pretty easy. I think one guy you might have trouble with, but you guys are like the European... Uh, no experts here so no wait wait no no let adam go first i'll I'll let adam go first yeah see my head's all over the place i'm like what era could this be like yeah first i was like yeah i know at least two but i'm thinking of older players and i'm like wait though there's at least one mod three players all in the same team yes (sighs) at manchester united Yes, according, to, get three according to the British newspaper I got this from. we got to get all three to get the point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so I'll give you the hard one. Dennis Law. Okay, so I'm going to go Dennis Law, George Best, Bobby Charlton. Rekev? I was going to say, I was funnily enough going to say George Best and Bobby Charlton as well. <laughs> okay, so both of you guys get the point. Right. So Dennis Law was on it. You guys, yeah, it's too tough. Yeah, okay. yeah Dennis Law. I should have given you guys an eye. You shouldn't have given oh, it to us. Yeah. I might have got there eventually, but we'd have still been in. Dennis Lott, I wouldn't, have, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got to Dennis Lott, but George Best and Bobby Charlton, I would have. So I should have. What I should have done for that question is given you George Best, Bobby Charlton, and then which other player? Because yeah, yeah. I would have failed. I would have not scored. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. So for the after the fi- final title win under Busby in 1967, uh, the Red Devils would not win the first division again until the 1992 season. Who is the captain of that squad? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Was it? No, it can't be. Is it Dennis Irwin? Was it Brian <laughs> Robson, Aaron Ca- okay. Eric Cantona, or Steve Bruce? Regev, you'll go first this time. So Cantona, uh, Steve Bruce, or I'm gonna say Steve, Steve Brian Bruce. Robson? Steve Bruce. I'm going to go Brian Robson. I think he's good. It's Adams, right? It's Brian Robson. Fuck. But funnily enough, Brian Robson was injured for most of that season. Uh, yeah. So Steve Bruce had to wear the armband for a lot of it. Yeah, he's one of those that kind of career was hampered by injuries. Yeah. So Brian Robson was followed by Steve Bruce. And then past that was the king, 96, 97, as the captain. Um, so Adam, you get that point. I'm updating. And we'll update it here quickly. I've Are you updating it right now? Yeah, I got to go. Here you go. 
Thank you, buddy. Uh, and this one's going to be a bit of fun. I don't think you guys should have too much trouble with this, but list these Manchester clubs from oldest to newest. So your your five clubs that you have to list from oldest to newest are the Bolton Wanderers, Manchester United, Manchester City, FC United of Manchester, and Salford City. Who goes first? Regev, you went first last time, I believe. So Adam, you're up. Okay, so we're going what? Oldest to newest? Oldest to newest. Okay. I'm going to say oldest is Man United. I'll go Man United, Man City, Bolton, Salford, FC United of Manchester. Okay, Regev? I'm going to go... Bolton, City, United. What's the other two? Salford City and FC United of Manchester. FC United of Manchester and then Salford City. Oh, I got the first so one. First. He was right. The for the last you're two, right? you're so close, man. What? Salford City is like um, 80 years old, I think. Yeah. What the f- and then Really? FC, they were purchased recently. Yeah, they were purchased yeah. recently by the class of 92, right? And they had that whole close, kind of... I was close. I was close. Yeah. United were like protest club at the Glaziers. Right? Yeah. That, 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 that I knew. I just thought Salford City was new and it was like the Nevilles that set it up. Nah, they, they uh, bought the club and didn't like a bit of a blow up to it. Yeah. I don't, I don't ah, you're so close. That's fine. Okay, so what's our scores now, Adam? Do you have it open? Rag- yeah, Ragav's still in the lead with 13. I'm now at ten, and Mark, you're out of the running with nine. Oh, so you could tie me next week, Mark. Okay. You got to, you got to, you got to do me a solid. But I'm joint champion anyways. I, I can't yeah. lose now. The best we've got is unless we decide to have a tiebreaker. We never really planned for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, take and get the best draft pick. All right, fair enough. I gave you guys uh, an easy out with that first question there, and I shot myself in the foot. <laughs> let's talk table. So first place is summer of 92. Second place is the keeper. Third is when Saturday comes. Fourth is goal of the dead. Fifth is Shaolin soccer. Sixth is all the freckles in the world. Seventh is goal two, living the dream. Eighth is captain Tsubasa, European Dykeson. Ninth is penalty. And 10th is my English soccer adventure. Where are you guys putting this film? I'm super interested to hear where it lands for you guys. I'm going to throw this to your get first. <clears throat> When Saturday comes is in third, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hold on. When Saturday comes is the film that like won't die. Like it just, <laughs> just keeps keep floating on the top yeah. spot. I'm going to say fourth. I thought when Saturday Ooh. comes is better. I thought the keeper's better. I thought summer of 92 is better. So you're saying when Saturday comes above it? Above it. Yeah. So you're wedging it between when Saturday comes and Shaolin Soccer. Goal of the... D- oh, oh, Goal of the Dead. No, sorry, yeah. Goal of the Dead. Yeah, between yeah. when Saturday comes and Goal of the Dead. Sorry, Correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Huh. Okay. I was going to say third. I was going to say it's... <laughs> See, this is the thing. I talk <laughs> myself out of these every time. I was going to... I thought third. It's no way as good as the keeper or summer of 92 for me. Um, somewhere like the keeper does a way better job at like showing it does a better job at showing that story before a tragic event and then it brief and it does spend it yeah. like it benefits from a longer time. I think it's 
better film than when Saturday comes, but it does come to this thing, what film would I watch again? And it would be when Saturday comes. <laughs> yeah, maybe, Me too. Me too. And that's, why I put it. Yeah. that's why I did. Yeah. I would watch one Saturday. I don't know, man. I just really like the story of when Saturday comes. It's a working class city. It's a working class guy that just wants to play football. I, I love that story. It's a great football film. Yeah. Like if you're looking at it in those terms, it's a great football film. This is a great story about a football club, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah and I would argue football. I would argue that United is not actually a football film. It's another of those no, where they don't show a second of it. Yeah, like football's the vehicle the to score, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. 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 I'm gonna agree with Regev on this one. I'll place mine as fourth as well. That was right. easy. I'll concede. I'm not gonna argue. Concede? We'll keep Sean okay. being up there. Not <laughs> easy. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a table that's such a mess. It's from two weeks ago. Okay, so summer of 92 is number one. Yeah. Number two is now the keeper. Number three is when Saturday comes. Number yeah. four is uh, United. Number five is Gold of the Dead. Number six is Shaolin Soccer. Number seven is All the Freckles in the World. Number eight is Gold 2, Living the Dream. Number nine is Captain Tsubasa, European Daikison. Number 10 is Penalty. And number 11 is My English Soccer Adventure, which I would still not recommend anybody watch. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's hanging in there. And that's it. I think we have a pretty good table so far. We have one movie left. And have we decided on what that final movie is? Nope. I think we need to balance out of a Liverpool film. We've done these few Manchester-based films, haven't we? So the problem is we originally picked Alex and Me, but that's no longer available on Netflix. Um, mm. So it's going to be kind of a task to get that one on there. Um, so it's up to you, guys. This is your, fi- your final pick of the season. Do you want to do a Liverpool film? Why don't we keep it a surprise for the next week and we'll we'll go from there. there. Okay, we'll do that. Fair enough. All right, so it was a pretty good episode. Good film. I was looking forward to it and glad we watched it. Um, Adam, where can people find you? Joypad goalposts on Twitter and Instagram and give my YouTube a watch. There's definitely new content coming because I streamed it live on Twitch the other day. So all I got to do is split it all up and upload it. So I've got no excuse. Oh, I saw that you're streaming handheld games from Laps Gamer with Laps Gamer, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's a new format for uh, season two. Yeah, I just live. There's people in my chat kind of giving their opinions too and then just cut them all up and put it up on YouTube. That makes way more sense than yeah. editing so for hours and hours. And I know how it is. Yeah. 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 Too much stuff to do these days to worry about that. Regev, where can people find you? Find me at Raghav Sandu on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and also follow, like, whatever it is that you do on social media. And, uh, you know, keep asking us questions on our at match day matinee as well. I believe the kids say smash that like button, hit the smash subscribe, that like button, exactly. click the little bell and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, click on that bell or ring that little bell, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let us know what else you want to see. Uh, I myself am Mark83 on Twitter and A3Football on Instagram. That brings us to an end from the terrace to the theater of dreams. As we saw in this episode, we are Match Day Matinee. Thank you so much for joining us. Ciao. Yeah.